things are going to grab at you as the day goes on. So if you can knock your priorities or as many as possible early on in the day, you are giving yourself the best opportunity to have the most optimal, best possible day. My name is Dimitri and I'm a productivity and systems enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and self-development enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets business. And what it means to build better systems. Enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you are not on our private subscriber feed and you will only be hearing a portion of this episode. If you'd like to listen to the full length episode, you'll need to go to riseproductive.com membership or sign up on your favorite podcasting app for exclusive access. From there, you'll also get access to our exclusive newsletter, the weekly pour over, our private members only Discord community, and any other subscriber only content. So if you enjoy what we are doing here, please consider becoming a member. Hello everyone, my name is Dimitri and welcome back to the Rise Productive Podcast. In today's episode, we have David Pygon, or Dave Pygon. Is Pygon how you pronounce it? Yes, yes, Dave's good, Dimitri, unless my mom's mad at me back in the day. (laughs) We go with Dave, bud, how are you? Good, I'm good, I'm doing well. Uh, Excited to kick this one off. Um, We're the first first guest, I'm pretty sure that's in the same zip code. So that was an interesting uh, prerequisite to the call. Um, But excited to chat with you about what you're doing uh, at uh, Pygon One. Uh, I would love for you to give yourself a little bit of a, an intro as to what you do there and uh, how you got started. Sure, Dimitri. Uh, nice being on your guys' show today, too. Fellow Chicagoans, so it's pretty yeah. cool yeah. to get a chance to talk with. Usually uh, when I'm doing these, uh, we've all went from London to New York to L.A. to Texas, and uh, now we're in Chicago, so pretty cool stuff. So uh, my name is Dave Pagan, and uh, I've been in – the business world for about 30 years, 20 of it in a leadership role. So I've always been okay. passionate, uh, always enjoyed leading teams. And I did a few years of consulting and I really got the bug, Dimitri, when I was doing that, almost three years when I was doing some consulting work, really enjoyed it. And then finally, uh, I decided a, about a, just over a year ago, you know what, I'm going to start my own company. Nice. And I'm going to do consulting. I'm going to run my own ship. Uh, to be fully transparent to everybody, I was made every excuse in the book why I wouldn't start my own business. Yeah, it's family, time, money, you name it. I was justifying why I didn't do it. Then finally, I decided it's time to start and take all the things I learned from the four, three, four, the big companies I worked for: ADP, Alcon Laboratories and Novartis, and they were wonderful to me, trained me, developed me, and I said, you know what, I'm going to use all those tools, and I'm going to start my own business, I'm going to start my own podcast, so I know what it's like in your shoes, mm-hmm. I'm still learning, I haven't done it, we haven't done as many as you, uh, but we're learning, and then also I wrote a book called Win the 16 Principles and Strategies to Optimize Your Day, so it's been a busy, fun year, my friend. Nice, nice, I love to see it, so... Um... Obscure question on the first thing. Did you say ADP? Was ADP, it? automatic data processing. So uh-huh. I was I sold for them a couple of years right when I got out of school. Uh-huh. So it's been a busy year. And uh, besides writing the book and the podcast, Pygon One, uh, it's a consulting organization. And we specialize in really three things. One, uh, I do motivational and keynote speeches. 
win the 16, which is how to optimize your day. I do those talks fairly routinely. It could be small companies, medium-sized companies, big companies. Uh, it's all over the board. Uh, secondly, we do a lot of leadership training. Mm. With executives, first or second line managers, and effectively communicating. We do a lot of different assessments, whether it's behavioral, DISC, um, strengths, opportunities. Yeah, we also do different trainings for individual contributors. And then lastly, uh, executive coaching one-on-one, -on -one, leadership coaching one-on-one -on -one with people. It's, it's become very, very popular. And also, uh, we'll, I also do some individual contributor coaching. So that really hopefully gives you a good idea, Dimitri, and to the listeners of Pygon One and what the last year's been like for us. That's really cool. I, uh, I'm curious, what, what made you want to, um, or sorry, what made you realize that it was the time? I know you had mentioned that there was all those different excuses that you had made. Sure. So many different people who make those excuses. Uh, I think people would love to hear what finally gave you the push. Yeah, I always wanted to write a book. Mm. I always wanted to do a podcast mm. with my brother. Uh, he's a physician here at U of I in Chicago. He's an anesthesiologist. But he's also got C-suite experience. He was the chief medical officer there. So we do a business-driven content podcast. Cool. As well as I always had in the back of my mind, I was going to start my own consulting company. Uh, but I kept on always thinking it's going to be later. It's going to be later. I read a book, Bet on Yourself, uh, by these two women. And I felt like they were talking to me, Dimitri. And one <laughs> of the things that they put in perspective for me and I'll share this with everybody. They talked about risk. And mm. what said a lot of us, and I was one of them, we think about risk when we do something, uh, whatever it is. If we do it, what is the risk? What could happen maybe really good or not so good? Mm. What we don't normally think about is if we stay the same and don't make the change or don't attempt that, there's a risk there too. Yeah. And I never really thought about that. That was very thought provoking to me when they said, wow. And if you think about relationships, if you stay in a relationship, what's the risk by just staying in that relationship? Sure. If it's where you want to go. So they were, I thought they were very highly intelligent and they really got me thinking. So one day I'm driving to go see a potential customer at the executive level, 630 in the morning. I, listening to a podcast and I can't use some of the language they used, but they talked about taking chances, change agility, taking, being bold. Yeah. And I said, Oh my goodness, this is within 10 days. And that really got me thinking. And then I called my business coach. I called my brother, my inner circle. And within 24 hours, Pygon one consulting was on its way. Nice. Nice. And then how long did it take for you to uh, take the leap from, doing what you were doing day job wise to just being like, you know what, I'm going to go into this full time. Sure. It took me a couple of weeks to just do some fundamental stuff, sure. research on top of what I've already done. Uh, there was a little bit of research that I already ha had in place. I knew the steps for an LLC is not very difficult. Mm -hmm. And then I, for work, I made sure I did it the right way. We're in the middle of a couple big deals. So I wanted to make sure those ran through properly. Once that was well on its way, uh, I gave the respectful two-week notice 
to, and I call them my friends because the people at Alcon Labs, I worked there for 24 years, uh, absolutely friends, tremendous amount of respect for them, what they do, uh, what they do for patients, and uh, just a special group of people. So I want to make sure we, we left the right way and taking care of them. Yeah, so, of course. There we go. That's awesome. So you just, I mean, you really just went kind of into it pretty immediately. Yes. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Dimitri, I'm tw- I'm 53 years old. Yeah, that's fair. So we gotta we gotta go. Yeah, we, we gotta, gotta get going. Rolling and rolling. <laughs> that's very fair. I I I like the way that you did go about it the the right way, as you said. Um, when it comes to leaving a job. I will say burning bridges is not a good thing. And obviously being there for so long, uh, them being your friends, you probably were like, you just had to, I mean, there's no other way you would have done it. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's the right way. And I, I, and I don't think I'm any special in that regards. I would say the people who don't do it that way would be the anomaly in the unicorns in the world. I, I would say most people nowadays uh, leave and do things. At least that's been my experience as a leader over years. Um, any of any of the time my people left, they, I, I can't even remember somebody not doing it the right way. Yeah, I mean, it, it really matters, like <laughs> the relationships you build with people. Um, so I'm curious now how maybe just j- a general change of uh, life feels, because you did you did say obviously those were your close friends. I think yes. work, working with people on a day to day basis is great, actually. And one of those things that about the rat race quote that people forget is that when you don't go to work, you don't interact with uh, that group of people who are maybe fighting towards a, a common cause until you would build a business that those people would then come around. Uh, again, I'm curious what it's been like because it's just yourself at the moment, right? Or Yes, yeah, I, I 1099s that I use yep. when needed. And correct, I would also say that writing a book you have to be, it's, I equate it to being a law student, uh, a resident, a, doc, a person, uh, med school. And what I mean is people that become lawyers and people that become doctors have to get really comfortable with being by themselves a yeah. lot for studying purposes, uh, unless, uh, which my kids and my wife, one of our favorite shows is Suits. Nice. With yeah. the lawyer. Yeah, yeah. You familiar with that? The lawyers mm-hmm. and Mike, the un- unrealistic, which would never happen in the world, his character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that photographic memory, uh-huh. never graduated, never got a law degree. Uh-huh. I think he's the exception, but most of us, we have to learn, sit in a library, we have to study. And writing a book, Dimitri, is that. It's a lot of time by yourself, carving out time. Yeah. 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. in the morning, 6 at night, 9 o'clock, Sundays after the Bear Games, 4 to 7. Not only having that discipline to do it and carve that into your schedule, mm-hmm. but to be productive. Because with the company going on, I didn't have time to write all day. So I had to schedule it in. And I have a funny story about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I learned it early on. It was within the first 7 to 10 days. I was writing one night, had it scheduled six to nine, doing my thing. And as I was writing it, Dimitri, I realized this isn't very good. <laughs> I, I, this is just not, you could just tell if you read it, you'd have said the same thing. But finished it, saved the soft, saved it on my software, 
toss and turn that night, got up first thing in the morning, I read it, and it, and it just as I anticipated. It was not very good at all. It was terrible. So I erased it. It's okay. so hard to do that when you build in that schedule to write, but I had to. I had to learn early on, and I'm glad I did, that even though where there were timelines, and I know you're a runner, yeah. and I know as a runner you want to get to the finish line, mm-hmm. but with that said, you can't cheat the process and cut across the lake sure. uh, in where, near where we live here, <laughs> and that's what I would have done. So I learned early on that it has to be quality, and it has to. I had to fail to get to the product I finally got to in writing the book, Win the 16 Principles and Strategies to Optimize Your Day. I love that. I love that you uh, penciled it in at the beginning. It's a lot of Brian Tracy, eat the frog, do the most important thing first kind of principle in there. Um, I'm I, Before I got more into um, a lot of my content being, creation being around uh, more software specific stuff, I was enamored by time management principles, by the concept of getting up early at 5 a.m. I, I started like the business I'm currently running uh, in the early mornings of my senior year. I, I went to college for five years um, for my master's, uh, but senior year fall, I started getting up at 5 a.m. And, and waking up my roommate uh, with the alarm. And I, I love hearing that you managed to make that effort early on in the morning. Uh, is that something that you talk about in Win the 16, the the early morning wake-ups? I know that a lot of different people have different opinions on said uh, sure. early morning wake-up times. What are your uh, general thoughts on that for, for productivity? Sure. I'm an absolute believer in getting up early in the morning. I don't, I don't think you have to do it to be successful. And I know a yeah. lot of people have different jobs, and I don't want to preclude them. When the 16, first of all, I th- maybe I should give everybody a definition. When the 16 is, there's 24 hours in a day. You should sleep eight. <laughs> yeah, that supports now. And I used to be that guy, especially when I was raising the kids. I don't need sleep. I can live on three to four hours. But the data just supports the average person should be getting seven to nine hours yeah. of sleep. I can just say for myself, I'm a better husband, I'm a better guy, dad. I'm more creative. I'm more patient. My growth mindset is better. My workouts are better. My communication's better. My listening skills when I am well rested and I sleep. So that's how we. I came up with win the 16. Little caveat, and it's kind of funny. When I first said, you know, I'm going to write this book. I'm also already doing a program about optimizing your day because, mm-hmm. like, I, I am a, like you in sense of time management. I don't want to say it's come easy to me over the years, but I've always gotten it because I always wanted to be efficient and effective. Sure. If you want to be efficient and effective, you kind of got to buy into the whole time management thing, uh, which I did early on. But I at first thought, oh, I'll develop a program called Win the 24. Well, no, that was trademark. The lawyer said that's out. Uh-huh. <laughs> Win the day, out. That's trademark too. So then when I went back to the lab to think about it, that's when I came up. Well, you know what? Smart. Yeah. I really believe in this. It makes sense. And it turns out it's been really catchy. And people, have re- it's resonated with people. Yeah. From the launch of the book in May till now, we've got a nice following with it. It's, it's, it's been a really, it's a, it was really, it turned out to be a blessing that we couldn't do those. And we had to do win the 16 
because it's really played well, not only the book. So to answer your original question about getting up early, I am a believer in it. Uh, when you look at most executives, CEOs that are successful, business owners, most of them are early risers. And I always tell people, it's not that they have superpowers, but I recommend in the book, try to win your day by 10 a.m. Why? Well, because chaos hits. Days are only going to get hit with clients, lawyers, accountants, customers, family members, employees, everybody on getting to that next level. And it's got different steps in it to try to help people like you and I. Yeah, I really like that a lot. And I also think the title to your book works very well because a marketing brain in me thought when I looked at your uh, hat initially, it was a very good, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a very good showcase of a concept and it forced me to think slightly. I didn't have to think too hard. It sort of roped me into wanting to find out more because I had to do a little bit of thinking prior. Um, I I am also in agreement that the early morning wake-up is pretty good. There's some science to showcase that some people just shouldn't get up early, um, like everyone's got some minorly different internal clocks. But for those of us that do have it, um, I think it's uh, one of the biggest life hacks. I mean, I, I started that whole 5, 5 a.m. wake-up thing nearly four years ago. Um, I pushed it back to about four um during the very grindy period of yeah mm -hmm. uh about a year and a half ago now i'm more in the middle at 4 30. uh it is it is one of those things that once you get used to it uh it does kind of impact social life a little bit uh you'll end up being like oh yeah can we be hanging out with someone can we hang out like from three it's like what you why do you want to get together earlier i'm like I don't want to throw off my sleep clock by like six hours. They're like, how do you figure? I'm like, I should be in bed at nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'd love right. to see you. But... And that sleep clock is critical and we all have it. Yes. And I love what you said. There are people out there, um, night owls, whatever words you want to use, that they just have for whatever reason, the way their DNA and their brain, the way they work, that's good for them. Um, for a lot of people, though, this early rise to their day that are living this eight to five, nine to five, however you want to term that lifestyle, boy, if you can knock out a few things before the day goes, I actually recommend try not to check email until you knock off a priority or a task, whether that's uh, exercise, a walk along the lake here in Chicago, knock out a priority or two that are important to your day before you go on the defense because email is defense. E e email is traditionally defense unless you're sending a proposal or something out to people. We all get caught up on it at times because we have to. Yes. So we are clearly on defense. We are responding, answering yes, no, here it is, here you go, here's where we're doing it, here's this. And that is not getting back to the priorities or the goals or the things that we need to achieve to be successful by the end of the day. And that leads me towards the end. I talk about the scoreboard. And some people are great at this. Some people, it's just an opportunity. I, I tend to try to say, I personally tend to stay away from weaknesses because I look at them as, I don't like looking at them that way. I just look at it as, it's not a strength yet. It's an opportunity. Or 
I can call my new best friend, Dimitri, and say, you know, this is a blind spot. I'm not really good at this, but you are. Help me, teach me, or take this over to give us the best product we want. And I think that's really smart. And people have to be, um, throw their ego out and just understand we all have them. And we have the opportunity to get better. We also have great resources that they can help us. Or they can even take over the project and give us the best possible project. So the scoreboard that I was trying to or communicate here to you is this. Mm-hmm. Most people at the end of the day, they come home or if they're talking to their peers, boss, whatever, oh, busy day, busy day, busy. You know, you hear that all the time. Uh, very well. It's, it's rehearsed. Tremendously. And uh, I always say that that's great. What did you do? (laughs) Busy doesn't necessarily equate to optimal day, best self, or success. So I always try to remind people, let's talk about that scoreboard. How did the scoreboard look, depending on what field you're in? What did you do to be productive in optimizing your day? What does that look like? What did you get done? What was on your priority list Uh, for salespeople? Did you get closer to selling that account? Did you get access yeah. to an account you've never talked to? Great, that's a success. Uh, that's really, or did you just, or were you just busy all day? And if you do identify that, that's wonderful because now you know, so the next day you can double back. So it doesn't become a month and you look at your scoreboard finally and say, oh, I was busy all month, but I didn't really do anything to knock down my goals. Does that make sense that I say that right, Dimitri? Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think um, I liked what you equated email to as defense. I, I tangibly, th- so I don't know if you're, you're probably familiar with the book Atomic Habits, but there's a difference between being in motion and taking action. Um, uh, James Clear, yep, of course you do. I mean, re- I writing a book that. like that, you have to be interested in the subject. And right. That's the for number one book. Who, for the listeners out there, I just picked up the Atomic Books atomic habits on my desk you can't see it but uh dimitri can yeah Yeah, so go ahead it's a classic it's a classic there's a difference between being in motion being in action and uh i always have a hot take that if if in theory a standard operating procedure and a ai chat prompt can do the can do it for you it's not really work um uh, or slash like a very 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 low low impact like virtual assistant can do the thing it's not work um like it's it's things that need to happen maybe but they they don't necessarily provide you value or a value to anybody else um it's almost like how do i word this um you picking up your laundry to put it into the laundry into the uh into the laundry isn't doing laundry like it's it's like it's not actually doing the thing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you you grabbing all the taking all the stuff and for what you're gonna cook and taking it out of the fridge, like cool, dude. You didn't yes. you didn't you didn't cook. Like yes. that it's that's what I equated to in work. It's the same thing. What's your take on the um, AI worlds in Chat GPT? I think it's great for augmenting people who know how to use it. I think utilizing it as a base source of information is a little bit backwards. It's really good for curation. Uh, It's really good for repurposing of stuff you've created. Like for example, we do a weekly podcast here. Um, 
where I will do a short thing called the productive brew. I take those and put them, turn them into newsletters using ChatGPT, as well as some input to put in like affiliate links and whatnot. I think for the purposes of, I was not at the moment increasing my skill level at writing by doing that. I was more so taking my orating and repurposing it anyway, and I was having somebody else do it. So if I'm not tangibly improving the skill, then I think it's a great way to, you know, take content that I originated and repurpose it into a format that was better. Uh, but I don't think using it as a baseline of information is the right purpose for it because it's essentially just the same information over and over again, unless you have original human thought prior. Mm. I... I could not and would not dive into ChatGPT until after I wrote the book because mm, I knew mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I would have went into it, yeah. I, was, I was reading the articles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You wrote but, this at a very interesting time. I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah. That a couple things. So when I wrote the book and I was doing all the research, I wrote, I said, I, I to prepare for the book. I read 23 books prior, the most I've ever read in a year of my life. Sure. And, um, J.K. Rowling said that the greatest thing about writing a book is it forces you to read and research. That's the fun part of it. Uh, Mark Twain said, write what you know. I share that because they're, the, they're so true. And when you do it, I reflected back many times, not that I was em- trying to emulate them and not that I'm in the same breath that I shouldn't be mentioned with those two stars. I say that because they were 100% correct. And if anyone who's not been on the journey, trust me, I'm not into self-deprecation, but if I can do it, you can do it too. Just take some discipline, habits, um, some a mindset, and a, and a lot of work and some sacrifice. That's it. You do that. But I would not dive into ChatGPT. Read all about it, knew it, uh, had a feeling what could do, but I was so afraid, Dimitri, to go, how am I possibly going to start you looking at it and then no, I just wrote a paragraph that I struggled with in the book. Yeah. How am I not going to put it in there and say, Hey, it'll, it'll give me some better ideas. So I said, I can't even look at it. I can't think about it until this book is over. I don't think I started in May playing around with it. I think it would have been very bad if you had done that. Everybody. Yeah. Others are doing it and I didn't want to be that. And that's fine. Everybody can write the book how they want to write it. I wanted to go, I didn't want to call old school. I just wanted to do it because it was always a goal to write a book. I think the important thing is like you were going to not tell it in your voice, whether you meant it or not, if it was done through that tool. Yeah. I just find it funny that, um, yeah, I didn't, I'm disciplined, highly disciplined, but I was afraid that how, if I, if I looked at it, how could I not utilize it if it was better? Yeah. So I wouldn't even touch it. So I, I said, nope, can't even. It's kind of like uh, if you don't want to eat mom's coconut cream pie, don't even have a little bite of it, my friend. <laughs> you're going to end up having a whole slice if you yeah. dive in there. So uh, the other thing I learned in writing the book is, just, and it, it makes sense now that I thought about it, I'm amazed how many people don't even write their book. They have somebody come in, interview them for four hours, and they write the book. Yeah, that's weird, especially because if, if it draws from a lot of personal experience, from my like once again, I think 
your general tone will come through. And if I'm not mistaken, you have an audible version for it too. Did you? Yes. Did you verbally? Yep. Did you do it? <laughs> I I did that for a day, and then we uh, we punted the pro- to the professionals and hired a professional to do it. I respect that. That's uh, yeah. It's a lot of talking. Your throat would have been destroyed uh, by the end of it. That was one. A lot of respect for Dan Levy, who did mine and narrated it. He, he did a wonderful job. Kind of funny. Wait, wait, so, wait, wait. The actor? Uh, no, I, I know. Like... That's what I thought, too. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a common name. And it was funny. When I, when I gave up on it, the real reason, one, you're right, it was hard and it's a skill. Yeah. Two, it was taking too long. I didn't have the exact right technology. So the way I was going to have to do it, it just would have taken too long. With running the business, I didn't have that am- that enough that amount of time in my days, week, month, because I wanted to get it out. And it would have taken me months to do that. So that was that was one of the big, big items that got in the way. But this was funny. So I'm listening to different tapes of people that they would send to me, the publishing team would send to me and say, hey, Dave, here's three, here's two. Well, what I learned when I was doing research, especially with a self-help book, yeah, a woman's doing a self-help book, all the recommendation says you should get a woman narrator. If it's a male doing a self-help book, you know, I, I did a Murph challenge, I did this, you yeah. might want to go with a male. It made sense. But the one voice that I really loved, and it sounded like Darth Vader. <laughs> it was James Earl Jones. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, I, I sent it to my buddies who were all really smart people. They all love it. And then my wife listens to it. She's like, you're kidding me. <laughs> you're going to have Darth Vader read your book. And then my marketing lady was like, like, I think I like this one. And he said that, um, yeah, that's not going to happen, Dave. You're not yeah. doing Darth Vader. Yeah. That's so uh, I ended up with Dan Levy. So I thought that was the funny thing. And they were writing. And she was writing. And she said, what sounds great to you and your friends for five minutes or a movie trailer will not be appeasing to the ear for three and a half hours no no not soothing enough i doubt darth vader's voice would have been soothing enough uh clear enough for that long and and if you're gonna go with anything that's not your own voice it's got to be bearable for uh that length of time yeah but i didn't know any better i'm a first-time author i have no idea what i'm doing and then once you start going down the journey and path and people bring and people are so smart dimitri as you know that if you're just willing to listen to them and be open-minded, a lot of times they will help you connect the dots. Not necessarily tell you what to do, but they will connect the dots, and it's very impactful in our own, again, being our best selves. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, So with the process of writing this book, um, I'm sure it taught you even more so a lot. It, it's uh, one of those weird things, uh, I'm sure, from like a meta standpoint. You learned something about time management probably during the process of writing this book, which is ironic. 100%. Yeah. Um, what do you think was the biggest personal takeaway that you got out of writing the book? 
uh, firstly? And secondly, what do you think the biggest takeaway from the book would be for somebody to uh, read it? I like those questions. Yeah. What I'll st- I'll go with your last question first. What's sure. the biggest takeaway? It's really crazy to me that Rise Productive is almost at its three-year anniversary. Over the years, we've shared with you so much free content on how to improve your efficiencies, operations, and intentionality across multiple content platforms. Between the podcast, newsletter, and YouTube channel, we try to give you as much free value as possible. All that we ask in return for all this free knowledge sharing is that you give us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform so that more entrepreneurs and those seeking more efficiency in their lives can find our content. These podcast reviews increase our rankings and help us reach more people who just like you just want to get more efficient. Thanks in advance. And now let's get back to the show. There's so many in there that I believe authentically Dimitri what's going to happen when as people reading his feedback everybody's going to have a favorite chapter mm-hmm. everybody's going to uh, my son's boss his boss uh, reconnected the other day and he said thanks for that thanks for everything in the mental toughness chapter I'm implementing a few of those things in fact I'm now doing the cold shower nice uh, I'm a huge believer in cold showers. That's all I take, unless it's nighttime, because it'll wake me up. Yeah. I I would say there's a theme that I think is what everyone will take away. I, I say this almost by verbatim. I am not Tom Brady. I am not Goggins. I am not famous. You wouldn't recognize me walking down Michigan Avenue here in Chicago. I am your neighbor next door. If I can do some of these things... You can too. Mm. We just do these little steps, little things, little by little, hang in there. And then when we look a month out, six months, a year, we will accomplish the things we set out one step at a time. That theme is through every chapter, little steps. If you're not a big morning person, exercise person, totally understand. I don't expect you to do run 10 miles with you, Dimitri. Mm-hmm. What about taking a 10-minute walk in the sunlight, right first thing with your water or cup of coffee? Uh, data supports the sun and the fresh air is great for your mind and body first thing in the morning. Little step. But for those of you who don't do that, that would take a, a tremendous amount of commitment, discipline to get up 10 minutes early or every day and do it every day for two, three weeks. That would be little steps, but it wouldn't be easy. And the bonus with that is you'd feel so accomplished. So I think what people are getting out of this book, whatever chapter is their favorite, whether it's mindset, habits, accountability, uh, unforeseen challenges, motivation is little steps, little things can add up to greater big things when you can concretely do those over and over and continue on your journey. Mm. Yeah, I like like that. I like that a lot. I think it also goes in both directions. Uh, I like the the idea of the morning um, sunlight exposure as well as uh, something that I recently listened to from Andrew Huberman. I'm sure you're familiar. Um, I've got him on my phone. (laughs) He's great. Um, The recent... Uh, realization of many is that delaying caffeine intake after the first 90 minutes when you wake up is a 
it's a very good thing for preventing an afternoon crash because for those of you that are unaware, uh, basically there's a chemical called adenosine, which uh, is released at, right after you wake up. It's one of the chemicals that makes you feel sleepy. And essentially since um, you're having caffeine immediately, that uh, release never occurs. And then you have the release happen when the caffeine weighs, uh, like uh, goes away fully at about 2 p.m. if you're having a cup of coffee at eight in the morning. So the reason I bring this up is to say another great example of doing something sometimes is also not doing something like restraining yourself from having the immediate uh, gratification of the coffee is one of the most beneficial things you can do. You can still have a cup of coffee just if you wake up at seven, for example, you know, having it at nine will cause the benefits to be much greater. It's a delayed gratification exercise as much as it is actually a bit of a life hack because um, the general productivity you'll have throughout the rest of the day won't be absolutely destroyed at 2 p.m. as a lot of people experience in their day-to-day at work. And I love the way you said it because you're exactly right. Discipline habits, it's about creating habits as well as eliminating some bad ones. And I'm glad you brought that up for everybody, Dimitri, because... I wasn't aware of that until one of my kids' friends, Notre Dame grad, real smart kid, Evan shared that with me. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. And then I listened to that because I was not aware of that science yeah. and that he communicated. So that is great, great stuff. So thanks for sharing. And then your other question was, the first question, was it, what was the... What was the biggest takeaway that you personally had and the, the biggest... Um, aha or you know tip that you ended up getting for yourself out of writing a book yeah um i'd say there's two Mm. one was um my ability to write sure yeah yeah sure (laughs) uh, if i was a poor writer i became an average writer if you consider me average i became pretty good if you thought I was pretty good, I became good because of that. Uh, going back with all with the software correcting you, with all my editors, all the dangling participles, all of that got me back to learning how to write because when you write a book, the book was hard to write. It, my first iteration was 50,000 words. Sure. By the time all the editing got through, between my editor, uh, a couple people in my inner circle were heavily involved, as was I, the final product was 38,000 words. That's over 20% cut. Mm-hmm. I would say that was a big, big, I'm a much better writer, whatever level you thought I was before, I'm better now. The other thing is, Mark Twain also said this, and that was... You become what you write. Mm. You become what you write. And it is so true. I'll be doing, uh, I did a triathlon this summer. It was my third one. And I got to tell you, uh, I talk to myself. I talk about the book. Positive self-talk to me is is something I do all the time. It's a big one for me to get me through tough situations, whether it's physical or mental. But I would say things like this, Dimitri. You're the one, the 16 guy. You can't stop. Come on, you can keep going. You got to do this. Classic. So I believe what it did. It 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 
it got me even more into the discipline mindset. Uh, for those who know me and say, well, you're already there. I go, it helped me get to another level. Mm. Because after writing and spending so much time with this book and teaching others that, it would almost be, I don't want to say hypocritical, that mm-hmm. it, I'm a human too, yeah. but it's made me even more making sure I'm winning the 16, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the identity thing is pretty big and ha- you having to write out those words specifically were very important because if you had just given you know, somebody your words and conversation during an interview, you wouldn't have then had to spend the time literally writing the things out that then made an impact on you uh, from from this standpoint. I, I, Atomic Habits also has a great section of it where it talks about identity. I think the, the value of identity is really, really important. Uh, I know for me, one of those things is that I, anytime I read a book or listen to a piece of content or watch a piece of content, I have a very simple habit that I prescribe to, which is I will take action on this book because one of the biggest knocks on self-help books is like, yeah. oh, I read all these self-help books and you know I didn't feel like I got anything out of them. I'm like, I hate to say it like this, but you read it wrong. Like that's not the, the point of the self-help book wasn't reading it. The point of the self-help book was to take action afterwards. Um, I'm curious whether you have noticed some similar critiques in the space uh, and how have you heard some anecdotes from people who have said like I've done X after reading your book? Oh, that's the high. It's not a moneymaker. Yeah. So this, uh, at least in my world, uh, this is book writing is not for the money. It's for the love of the game. Sure. That I can tell everybody out there listening for 99% of the people who do this. Um, so the eyes that I get are the people who send pictures, whether I just got the book, um, I'm reading this page. In fact, my son, uh, my one son, they're athletes. The one just broke his ribs playing basketball. And Damn. one of his teammates... When he sent the text, he goes, I just came back from doctor. I can't play in the men's league tonight. He highlighted in the book, and he goes, maybe you should uh, take care of your – do what your father said in the mental toughness section right here, <laughs> and he underlined it. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's a funny one. That's, that's awesome. You're looking for. But I get it all the time from people. Uh, the Colts, you know what's been one that's been very popular? I'll, I would say – I don't want to bet because I don't gamble. Demetri, I would say to you – we're closing in on 10 people right in that area of people who've adopted the cold shower. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. Un- unequivocally, uh, the checking the email, the early exercise or movement, even as simple as walk has been popular. Uh, I would say the healthy lifestyle. I get a few of those, uh, that chapter, which is chapter 16 on healthy lifestyle. So I get that all the time from people, which has been really, really cool. Now, do I get the superficial, oh, I read your book. I go, oh, what'd you think? Oh, good, good, good. And That's about like, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. they, they totally forgot everything by now, and I get it, which is fine. I, I'm not the judge and jury. And, and I will say this humbly. So whenever you write your um, masterpiece. Yes, thank you. And you're going to say the same thing. When I read your book and I say, hey, Demetri, I read your book. You're going to say, it's really humbling. Thank you. 
I'm sure. Yeah. No, that, that, that I could imagine that being the exact feeling you have. Like the, the fact of the matter is you put a lot of effort into this. Um, you had a lot of, I mean, actually you did say you listened to a certain episode with Abigail. Um, if if you had, there's a, there's a point during that episode of the podcast where Abigail basically tells me that I was the inspiration as to why she started YouTube and Twitter and all this kind of like content she's producing and i got choked up i needed to walk away from the mic and chance ended up handling it for a minute i was like hmm? um yep. and that was one of the most uh well yeah it was a big it was that that that'll do it yeah well for me it's it, i look at it this way most people are very busy whatever they're doing law school they're a construction worker teacher they're a stay-at-home dad stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. everybody's busy and if somebody was willing to put, if they read the paperback or hard copy or Kindle, um, you know, depending if you're a fast or slow reader, it's a two to two and a half hour, 240 read. That is, they invested that much time into a book I wrote. That's humbling. It's true. Yeah. It's very humbling because as the time management guru here, I know how valuable, and I say in the book many times, time is precious. Time is precious. For them to give me that amount of time reading my book or now with the audio book, which is like three hours and 45 minutes, sure, that's pretty cool. So that's the first thing I always say is I am humbled and thank you. Do you believe on the subject of time management, do you have concern uh, for, for members of obviously my generation, your children's generation, yep. uh, with the, uh, the, the adjustment that people seem to have had regarding the, I don't want to say their perception of time management, but I could say it like that while articulating it like this. The generation you grew up in did not have this wonderful piece of technology, the phone, which can you know obviously augment things regarding communication, purchasing, task management, calendar blocking. You can do a lot of things with this. However, without the requisite blockers uh, in place, it becomes a time suck. And I believe that people have actually a missed perception of how much time they actually have uh, to perform things, especially in my generation. Are you at all concerned about this? Uh, adjustment in the way that people approach their day just by having their eyes on their phone so often? Sure. It's it's a problem for all of us. So let me talk about the generation. So I am Generation X. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually have a program I do at Pygon One with how to work with the different generations. Sure. Um, I also do a DISC assessment, which that's a behavioral assessment. How do you work with different personalities? My brother is a critical thinker. He's amazing, but he's not changing until he answers, until you get him all the information he needs. If you do that, he loves change. He'll change right away, but you need to make sure you address that. So here's where I'm going with this. I think your generation, the younger generations get hammered. And I'm actually, I stick up for the younger generation. Why? they're smart they're making us better the younger generations 
They want to work for a purpose. What do we know about people that work for a purpose? They're happier, and they usually perform better. Of course, mm -hmm. I do too. Yeah. But I, a lot of us grew up in a generation where it was, hey, Dimitri, go dig a hole. Where? Out there. Just go, how long? Yeah, just dig till we tell you. Okay. The new generation would say, how? Well, use the shovel. Why? Why? And then they would say, okay, I'm going to run home. I've got this power tool. It's an hour run home. The power tool will get the job done in two hours. I can run it back. Total job will take four hours instead of the way you want me to dig. It'll take six. Yeah. So I'm going to save us two hours. My point is the newer generations, they, they're smarter. Uh, technology has helped you get smarter. Sure. Because it's put all of this information. Now, we do know the internet's a double-edged sword. Just because mm -hmm. it's out there doesn't mean it's true. We know that. You talked about chat GPT. 100% agreement on that. Do we have to monitor and make sure? Uh, I share this. Uh, I was interviewed the other day on a TV, YouTube, television station, or streamer. And the average person in the article I read, I'm not saying this is factual, sure. but it gets you and I to think. The average person checks email 28 times in a day. Whether it's 22, 38, 14, I think we'd all say, wow. It's a lot of times. It's a lot of times. So whatever the number is, I always tell, don't get caught up in the 28. Just think about that because we all know when we check, let's even say half the time, there's stuff on there that we're going to respond to or it's going to trigger us to do something. That amount of time so that's why when you're writing a book you just shut things down that's it mm. you're writing really simple same thing at work when i'm in the middle of a proposal i just shut it down i just shut it down because i, I need that time and i think the book also helped me get better at that dimitri because i had to i had to go dark for three hours there's no way I could have distractions writing that because writing a book is a lot like running. You get in a rhythm. It's like basketball. Once I get in a rhythm, don't take me out, coach. Like I'm rolling. Same thing with writing. I can't have the phone or the email going on. No, I, I completely agree. There's a, a large importance towards the lack of context switching. And I, I, I wonder whether those stats even include uh, – message communication apps like slack and microsoft teams because uh, for me i think when i started to switch into having more contractors and ended up like building out a team for the like little content agency i currently have one of the best decisions i recently made was having the bottleneck of communication go through other people and not me so that i wasn't required to have the well i do check couple times a day what pings have been sent to make sure they were sent correctly um, or that communication was done right or if I needed to record a video later or whatever I, I end up seeing that but a big bottleneck was like dude I have to tell everyone everything all the time and that actually requires me to check slack way too much to get work done um, and I, there's another oh you talked about something uh, you were talking about it was towards the beginning oh yes when it comes to you know, time management and, and the way that people are struggling with it currently. I, I, and the generation gap, I actually appreciate the thought process that you have around work, generally speaking from, from like our generation and how we think differently. I do believe the, how do I word this? The dogmatic nature of thinking, 
uh, of previous generations always holds back the future's generation's capability to grow at the rate, the exponential rate that it could. So for example, I think the pandemic, while there was a lot of drawbacks, did a very good thing in pushing a lot of work culture forward because the answers around, well, this is just how it should be is things that have held generations back for a long time. I grew up in a half Greek, half Italian household and both those gener- and both of those countries and economies are left in the in pre-medieval times due to their dogmatic thinking about they were always right. Uh, the Greeks haven't been relevant since the the gold age. So, um it's it's one of those things where I believe that dogmatic thinking uh, ends up causing a lot of issues and our generation does a pretty decent job of understanding some things about why should I do that? I should like what I do. And here's the thing, even the perception of some people, it's like you shouldn't be friends at work. I actually think that the science is not, like for example, you shouldn't be friends with your boss. I do think there's like obviously a barrier there, but general friendliness, if the person likes you, they'll work harder. Like the run through the wall. It's you. it's like the science. It's like the it's the the general psychology on it's very clear. And some of the old dogmatic thinking of previous work culture holds back opportunity for a very productive uh, work life. I mean, people ended up working more through the pandemic when they worked from home. Um, there's a lot of things that end up happening when you allow for these more free type thinkers to 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 put their stamp on the workforce and i i'm i'm a fan of it personally one.com um send us a note and we'll communicate with you and we'd love to just have an open dialogue um and see what you're doing great at as well as seeing maybe there's some desires or wants that you'd like to pursue that maybe we can be a part of it and come up with seems to really help your organization whether you're a person organization or you have twenty thousand people uh, we, we don't discriminate, medium, small, large, as well as um, when the 16 is a book out there for people that doesn't matter where you're at in your life, it could really help maybe bring some ideas and um, potentially get you to think of even better ideas on how to be your best self, personally and professionally. And you can find it on Amazon. Uh, it's there waiting for you, audio book, paper, hard copy. Uh, so we'd love to love to have you Read it and give us feedback again at pygon1.com. That's P-Y-G-O-N-O-N-E.com. So, Dimitri, thank you and your partner for having me on today. It was a a pleasure to talk to another Chicagoan. Yeah, man. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, Pleasure for me as well. And thank you for everyone for listening. We will see you in the next one. If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at riseproductive.com slash membership or on your favorite podcast app. Once you do, you'll get full-length access to these episodes of the Rise Productive Podcast, as well as access to our subscriber-only podcast and newsletter, The Weekly Pour Over.